0: Done. Spun away. Looking. Shooting. Done with a goal. Oh! Well done, by Crystal. One of the US.
1: And welcome to today's episode of Diaspora United. I am here, one of your co-hosts, Courtney Stith, and I'm here with my partner in crime, spirit expert extraordinaire, lover of several things <laughs> Mr. Andre Carlisle. <laughs> Lover of ha-
0: several things.
1: Of things. Things relating to footy. <laughs> Your girl is a little tired can't lie but <laughs> Andre how are you doing?
0: It's a wonderful introduction. Uh, I, am, <laughs> I, I am doing all right. I'm good. I'm still not gonna lie I'm, I'm gonna talk probably as I usually do uh, way too much this episode. Uh, I'm still like just absolutely in awe of that game uh, the spirit game but we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. Uh, how are you doing?
1: Doing all right. Just came back from chilly Chicago. It was actually I've been to Chicago in back-to-back weekends. First time took a fun little family road trip to move in my older sister to her new apartment. Nice. Twelve hours in the car with three other people. It can be, and also driving through like the hills of Indiana. It can be a lot, <laughs> but then as soon as Gotham made it to the playoffs, I was like, well, now I have a place to stay, and I found a cheapish flight, um, and it was a lot warmer than two weekends ago, where it literally rained the entire time, and I was like, why is the rain following me literally everywhere I go? What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> All right, Andre, we'll get us started with a review of the podcast, like we always do.
0: Yep, yep. So uh, we got this review uh, from DC Dilemma. Uh, really appreciate it when you guys leave reviews. Please continue to do that. Uh, we really do love reading them um, and they also help you know the podcast grow. you know the, the higher the rated they are, uh, the better reviews uh, that we get, uh, the more people maybe be more interested in taking a listen and following the podcast. So we really appreciate it. We really thank you guys for for rating and reviewing so far. Uh, this review, again from DC dilemma is awesome. I love this. Uh, It reads, I discovered this show after listening to another fave show, Burn It All Down. Shout out to Burn It All Down.
1: Shout out to Burn It All Down.
0: This show feels like it was designed specifically to tick every box for me. Focus on women's soccer, check. Keeping up with international context. And in addition to the NWSL, check. Giving me all the sports news I care about with a black and political lens. Triple check. I am living my dream, people, and DC Dilemma. That's it right there. You nailed it.
1: Wow, that is so nice. Thank you, DC Dilemma. I hope you don't constantly feel like have feel like you have dilemmas in your life but thank you so much
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we really appreciate that and again uh we just we we love it and uh leave us a review um we'd love to to read you guys uh, what you guys think about the podcast if you have suggestions uh for segments or anything like that drop those in the reviews too you know we we it feels like we've been doing this podcast forever but we really haven't <laughs> we we started it in what like, like late january so Uh, we can always add to it, you know, mold it, make it a little bit better. So we appreciate that and appreciate any opportunity to collaborate with y'all.
1: Yeah, 100%. All right, well, we're getting started with today's episode. We're going to run down some quick non-NWSL topics before we get into really the bread and butter of this episode, or as Steph one time said, uh, bread and baguette uh, for jokes. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to dig into everything with the NWSL playoffs, and then we'll hit with heated and hyped and then take it on home so andre starting off first topic is that one of our fave fave leagues to watch do you want our camera had a break so we don't really have a lot of news from them we didn't get to see we don't get to see like cat continually ball out like every sometimes multiple times a week like this week upcoming because the women's champions league is coming back but yeah do you want our camera a little break
0: yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Champions League matches. Those are going to be starting up uh, this week. You know, we'll we can, we we'll definitely review those in the next episode. Um, but, yeah, I, they had a little bit of a break, set, which, honestly, given the NWSL games and how it's been going on, I actually thank them. I, I know they didn't do this on purpose, but I do appreciate very much that we didn't have too much to focus on and the NWSL could really kind of take center stage.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, but, you know, keeping it with Europe – and actually, with an NWL tie, Deanne Rose, Olympic gold medalist and player for Reading, scored a brace uh, as Reading won three 0 this past weekend.
0: Yeah, that was that was dope. I love seeing that. It said like she finally started to to get into the starting lineup uh, with Reading, and it's definitely made a difference. They're definitely a much more dangerous team. Obviously, you play good players, you tend to be better. Who knew? Uh, but yeah, they've, they looked, they've looked really good. I think they've had this, is their I think they've had back to back three nil wins. Um, and, and they're looking quite impressive in attack. So this is, this is quite good. This is quite good from her. I believe she has three goals and one assist now in the season. Mm -hmm. I believe she has four starts. So yeah, um, really, really a, a player to really keep your eye on. If you get a chance to watch, uh, Redding, um, because she is young, but already quite very good, I mean she she originally was drafted by the courage, and that was Took the words
1: right out of my mouth
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, so see girl reading is it's that they do a great job of developing talent over there, so yeah,
1: yeah, 100 percent yeah the unfortunately the tie to North Carolina and you know her getting drafted as a draft pick and then choosing to go to Europe yeah. um it's like sometimes you have a little what if of like hey what what, what what would have happened if she was in that game against Spirit? Or also, what would their season look like if she joined the team? Um, but moving on, we also love giving a shout-out to Hope Powell, who is Brighton's coach. Brighton's Well, the coach of Brighton's women's team. Uh, and Brighton right now are currently fourth in mm-hmm. the WSL. Cause, and Brighton beat Everton, who, to me, I thought was – like could definitely fight for a Champions League spot given the players that they have also, since they got a new coach. Um, and yeah, but Hope Powell's Brighton be Everton. So shout out to Hope Powell.
0: Yeah. I love that. They, they, that Hope Powell has been doing some, some really good work with Brighton. You know, we follow her. There was a nice piece in the Guardian about her. Um, I'm pretty sure if you just type in Guardian Hope Powell, you'll be able to find it. We can also link it uh, in the show notes, but, um yeah really, really excited for her and how that brighton team looks. I believe they ended fifth last season, so they were looking is either fifth or sixth, and they're looking to um move up the table a little bit, and it looks like they're in pretty good position to do so so um, I am really happy about that and uh enjoying it as well. I think she has a couple of black players on that team who play quite well um and who are balling as well uh Dan Carter being one of them, been scoring goals for them, been playing quite well, so yeah really excited about uh Hope pal and s- to see what she can do. Uh, see, we'll see what her Brighton can do. Cause, uh, this is fun.
1: Yeah, 100%. And also, so we are in November, but actually in the UK October is their black history month basically. And so, uh, not only with the article from the guardian, but also there was an article, uh, about, well, they had a feature of her in the athletic, but that was in October of 2020. But then in October of 2021, she, and another coach talked about, uh, women's football's diversity problems. So we'll also put that in the show notes. Really, really interesting stuff. We'll probably dig into it on another day when the NWSL is not causing chaos at all times Um, and we can just like talk about topics and not be like, hello, there are a lot of, there are several games going on and then somehow the world is exploding. But sticking with the WSL, in in inboxes today, CBS picked up the rights for the WSL for the 2022 to 2023 season and also the 2023 to 2024 season. I'm super duper excited about it. Just given that like there's going to be more opportunity to watch the WSL and make it, you know, super easily available. You know, it'll be kind of, I think pretty similar to what we're seeing right now with the NWSL with part of it or most of it on Paramount plus, but then, you know, if it's a big game game coming up or something like that, we'll get to see it on TV. Um, but to me, That means it's better than the FA player, which still beefs with every single piece of technology I own all the time, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's always great to see companies like interested in and investing in women's soccer coverage.
0: Yeah, and I really love that it's CBS. They've been doing some really good features uh, with other leagues and other properties they have, you know, sending people, you know, on location to do stories about different clubs, about different things. Uh, and I love that. Shout out to Aaron West, who's been doing a whole lot of on-site things. Uh, him and also uh, Nigerian Scams Tosin. Uh, they they do some been doing some fun things as well. You know, some funny things. They did something real funny in New York uh, as well. So they've been doing some really good stuff. And I'm really hoping that they carry that over to the women's soccer. I was a little sad that they didn't get the Women's Champions League match, but um, them getting the WSL is huge. So I'm really looking forward to their coverage
1: yeah one hundred percent and now off at least off the top of my head, um with women's soccer properties, they have the NWSL, they'll get the f a w s l and they also, for example, have world cup qualifiers, yeah. um which is currently going on for the leagues in UEFA, so they're really starting to ground out coverage, and I just hope that it grows, and that we'll get the you know the same things the studio shows, not just having remote broadcasters taking from like a world feed all of that stuff so. Fingers crossed that they start really building a lot of coverage around it, because also, I mean, it's it's really easy to do. Like, think about the players of the WSL. Like, a lot of them are notable and very likable. It's great. It's very easy to make fun coverage around them. So, moving on, we're now going to dig into all things NWSL playoffs. Just to give a rundown of the scores, we'll go, in, like, rundown of the scores, and we'll go in games by order. Sh- the Chicago Red Stars beat New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC 1-0, this past Sunday with a goal by Mal Pugh in the mi- 61st minute. And then the Spirit beat the North Carolina Courage 1-0 in ex- super extra time. Ashley Ash <laughs> not the winner in the 113th minute. Bonkers. Like, a- I mean, that game was bonkers. And we're definitely going to get into it. Um, but going off the top, I was at the Chicago-Gotham game. Um, Mal Pugh honestly had a really, really good performance. Like... Going off the top, I don't really want to dig into that first half because it was to say the least forgettable. It was there were some crunch tackles. <laughs> there was not a lot of possession. <laughs> I do think Chicago like off that first half, Chicago definitely had like just more chances in general, even though, like I will say, watching it from the press box, I was like this is not necessarily the greatest showcase of NWSL soccer at the moment. <laughs> uh, being honest, look, that first half was, like, honestly, like, pretty forgettable. I mean, um, there there were moments that were good. You know, I thought um, Chicago was finding a lot of joy on the wings, specifically, uh, at least in the first half, I thought they were finding a lot of joy behind Caprice DiDasco on the right-hand side, um, so they were finding some good joy behind there, but also I thought, Efi had a few really good chances. There was one where she would managed to sit down Sarah Gordon, which was kind of wild.
0: Yeah, I was uh, that 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 was sad to me.
1: It was it was sad, but it was also like jokes. What on earth is going on? Um, but yeah, I thought the first half was kind of forgettable. I think the second, like to me, the second half is where all the things I've been thinking in the back of my head about Gotham over the past season really, really came to fruition. But also. A lot of things I picked up since Scott Parkinson has taken over and it was like, "Mm, these aren't great, but having, for example, Mitch Purse come back and just start scoring a whole bunch of goals, um, really papered over like the cracks that were starting to show in this Gotham lineup. Um, And to me, like this match was a really like a great encapsulation of it. Um, Off the bat, I thought the midfield, like, and to be fair, I don't think most of Gotham's players played great. That Like, to me, off especially from that first half, <laughs> um, I was like, does anyone need a shot block? Which, if you don't know what shot blocks are, there are these things that marathon runners take. And they're, like, these little, like, gummy chew things that have caffeine in them to give them energy to keep running marathons because that expels a lot of energy. I also used to take, like, myself and my crew teammates we used to take them before races and we would just go absolutely bonkers because we'd be super caffeinated um but i like in that first half i was like can can they wake up it kind of feels like everyone's kind of moving in slow motion for gotham um some of it maybe look like nerves other other parts of it i was like this to me looks like a team that has played significantly more games at the very end of the season than everyone else and also has not rotated so like Even bright spots like Ifeon Manu and like Midge at times, like they just honestly kind of looked tired. Um, And also Scott Parkinson, well, let me rephrase. To me, Rory Dames got his tactics really right, especially off the first half. Um, And Scott Parkinson's game plan didn't work. And he admitted to that in the post game. I tweeted about it. Um, Basically their whole goal was to focus on the wings and try to get Chicago's... Outside backs to step out of position and then just like, you know, cross the ball in there, find space in the box, all of those things. Do I think that was a great game plan? No, only because fielding the team that he fielded, he was not going to accomplish that goal.
0: Yeah, I thought this was, uh, I was... I had to go back and rewatch the game because I could pay attention to it just very, very briefly um, while I was trying to get ready for the Spirit game and all of that. Um, back-to-back playoff games are fun, but you know when your teams and I mean you have to cover one of them, uh, you don't really get to see too much. So uh, I went back and watched it um, and read a lot of the information you know that came out, a lot of the post-game quotes, and it just seemed very strange to me. Quite honestly, like I don't, I, I think Scott Parkinson is a good coach. I think he is a, a, he seems by all accounts, seems to be a good person Um, and the, and the team, you know, the players have really, you know, said that. And I try to only go by what players are saying about certain coaches who have stepped in and like either, I mean, he's, he's stepped in and basically been hired. So he's not really in an interim capacity, but he is a new coach to those players. Um, So I try to just, you know, pay attention to what the things players are saying about about coaches that are kind of have kind of come in in the middle of the season, so spirit with Chris Ward, uh, Sean Nehas, in you know North Carolina, and of course Scott Parkinson uh, with Gotham, and him coming from Chicago just confused me about why he seemed to be confused about what Chicago was going to do. Mm-hmm. I think that was my biggest thing is that I was just very confused, and I was reading a piece on the match. It was written by uh, Claire Watkins. Shout out to Southside Trap Pod. Um, they uh, she covers. Um, the red stars. um, And this piece was in the equalizer. And one of the first quotes in there from Scott Parkinson says, I thought it would be a little bit more end to end than it was. And I just don't understand why Mm -hmm. he thought that. (laughs) And then later on down in the piece, I think this 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 is really the juxtaposition that is really funny to me, because you think about that piece, like that quote at the top of the piece, and at the bottom of the piece, you have a quote by Rory Dames. And that quote says, it certainly wasn't probably the most exciting game, but we were wanting to win the game and we won the game. So he pleased with that move on. To me, that was exactly what it was always going to be for Chicago. <laughs> so I don't really understand what happened uh, with Scott Parkinson thinking that the game was going to be anything but that.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing about it, and I mean, I could, I could tell off the back. I mean, to be fair, like Ch- Chicago didn't actually really change their game plan for Gotham. Like it's really what they've, been doing a lot of having normally Kalia Watt kind of get up uh, you know as let's say like their main outlet um, you know just kind of floating between the two center backs maybe a center back outside back like if she can get on the ball just kind of cause havoc right and then you have Pugh and Rachel Hill dropping into the midfield to clog up passing lanes which against a Gotham side that loves to pass the ball I'll put that nicely, loves to pass the ball. (laughs) When you clock up the passing lanes, of course, they're not going to be able to pass the ball. And it's like, uh, you're going to get a first half like that first half. And it was kind of funny watching the first half because I was like, technically, Gotham is doing better than Gotham has ever done against the Chicago side. (laughs) Because even though Gotham had, for the season, had the head to head over Chicago, they had two nil nil draws, and then Gotham won 2 1, even though that was honestly like a truly a 2 0 win because Mackenzie Doniak scored at like, had like the last kick of the game and managed to notch a goal. But in those, in all three of those matches, Chicago has been outrageously dominant. And then for the, I remember for that first nil nil, don't know how Gotham. Did not concede in that game. That was just, I think, the first time that we saw a truly ancestral defending. Um, because also, I think, I think Eric Straski, it might have been Eric Straski, was just getting like washed in and out trying to guard Malpew. which makes sense, Um, But you know, in all, really, all those two matches, and I feel like the only difference with that two-one win was that Gotham was really able to hit them on the counter to score. But like over the course of the season, when Gotham played Chicago. <laughs> Chicago really really dominates and then just doesn't find a way to find the back of the net and I feel like with this match I was like well technically they're doing better because they're not getting overly dominated but also at the same time they're not really playing well like that first half was not fun to watch especially as it progressively got colder and I was like I'm really really cold I'm not I'm not really really cold is an exaggeration but I am chilly pretty chilly in this press box watching literally the most boring half of soccer i've ever watched in person in a while but then we move on to the second half uh the game does grow a little bit more end to end um but to me there was for gotham there was really kind of no answer to what chicago was doing like and i remember so i was sitting next to meg and uh like a Two seats down from Claire Watkins, and we were talking about it at halftime. And Claire was saying, if Gotham just decides to like bully the Chicago midfield, and by bully, I mean like just like like, um, foul a lot of players, like literally just like physically bully them off the ball. She was like, Chicago doesn't really have an answer to that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, But, and so looking into that second half, I was like, okay, it's still nil nil. Gotham isn't playing great. I I do remember in the like in the first half, Amani Dorsey had to make like one like she had to stick a foot in right at like right at the penalty stop penalty spot to prevent someone from scoring. But you know, going into that second half, I was like, something has got to change. <laughs> Gotham is not like they're not really playing well. Like Midge isn't really getting on the ball by that point. Ifu wasn't really getting on the ball. I remember the first sequence that like really to start that half was. They like overwatered the field at halftime, and literally every player was it was slip and slides. And like Chicago almost had a huge chance. Like Andre, did you see that? Like when everyone's just like literally slipping and sliding <laughs> yeah. around. And I literally I, I just tweeted, I don't know what's going on, but four Gotham players have lost their footing, and Chicago almost scored. But it's like I don't if I'm a coach. I'm like, I don't know how to coach away from that. <laughs> like y'all just all slipped and sl- slipped and slid around the bit- pitch. <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, but yeah, to me, Gotham had no answer, even at the very end, like making subs in the 80th minute. I was like, and when actually when that sub happened, and I will eventually talk about that Mandy Freeman yellow card, which was truly the dumbest refereeing decision I've ever seen in the history of refereeing. <laughs> um at least in the NWSL, let's say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to go to a three-back and just try to, like, like throw shit at the wall. Like, just throw stuff and see what fits. Like, have everyone bomb forward. You keep your three center backs. Mandy Freeman is spectacular at last-ditch defending. And with Estelle Johnson and Gina Lewandowski, they will be able to protect and just have everyone bomb forward. Like, it's like, you, you want to save your season, right, at that point. Like, you want to go and just, like, pick up the tempo one two touch like you have to do something, and to me that honestly didn't really happen. To me, Gotham after Gotham got scored on, um, there they really didn't have an answer.
0: Yeah, this is t- so I, I think for me it's it's difficult to talk about this match because you know in in terms of like trying to analyze certain things that happened in it tactically because the like the. The ethos of both teams were just off. Like as soon as I saw the lineup from Gotham, um, it was just like, and and you know, I kind of saw, knew exactly how Roy Dames was going to play it and then saw how Gotham was basically just kind of playing right into their hands and not being able to create things. I was like, yeah, I mean, this is this is what's going to happen in this match unless something changes in a somewhat drastic way. And that never really happened. And so to me, it's tough to look at the match and and really say, you know, if this person would have just done this, or, you know, maybe if these players would have done, you know, been able to combine or, or kind of done this. And, you know, there are there are ways to get through. Like I think Claire is kind of is, is is right. There are some ways you can kind of change things a little bit and just really go at, you know, the Red Stars midfield. But, you know, just knowing how Gotham likes to get their fullbacks up um and trying to bait you know the the you know uh, the Red Stars fullbacks into getting out of position like that's just not going to like there. if there's one thing about that Red Stars team they they are fully prepared to grind out a match they will just mm-hmm. stay in front of you for 90 minutes frustrate the hell out of you keep playing in front of them at all times and not let you get through and just be annoying <laughs> and yeah. and then try to hit you on a on a goal you know either by pressing from the front or by having Mal Pugh do Mal Pugh things. And so, you know, it's kind of like once you see that this is the way it's going, you're like, ah, and, and unless something really big changes, I just, like this is, a, this is everything's going the way Roy Dames and the Red Stars wanted to go. And that's cool. what was so frustrating to me about watching this match is that, you know, Gotham had the ability. To change some things, but didn't started off the match wrong with the wrong game plan, and I believe the wrong players on the pitch as well, um, which we've we've talked about a lot extensively on this podcast. I mean, I just that midfield was never going to threaten or or be of any danger. I believe to uh, the Red Stars and the way that they um, set up their midfield. Uh, just well, obviously, even... there's the Carly thing <laughs> as well. So that to me, it was just frustrating and this is why this is another reason why i really thought i really wanted gotham to get more points than they did from those three games in hand because i really think if they would have played this match at home if they could have been at red bull they would have been a lot it would have been a lot more there would have been a lot more energy i think the red stars would have tried to do exactly what they did but you just have more energy when you're playing at home i think it would have been a crazy you know i think they could have got a ton of fans there as well think it would have been a great environment. And so I was really disappointed. That's why I said last week, like now they got to go to Chicago and good luck. And the reason why I said it like that is because I felt like this was a high probability of this happening. And they got red stars.
1: Right. And the interesting thing about the midfield, because I don't even read, I don't even actually think of, even though Gotham is playing a 4-3-3, I really think they're kind of playing a 4-2-2 diamond. And I only think of that because I think of that. Because it's not even a really a midfield trio. It's really, it's like Lloyd, Long, Zerboni, and Kawasumi. And on their own, like they're all great players and they can all do things. But there's something about those four where it sometimes can really, really work. But also sometimes, like to me, and it's, and on one hand, I kind of get, for example, playing like Long and Zerboni, if you just want them to kind of hold as dual sixes to, for example, prevent. Malpu and Cleawat from hitting you on the counter, right? I understand that, or like trying not to get turnovers at turnovers that lead to goal, which like literally happened because McAllisterbone got her pocket pick, got her pocket picked, and that literally immediately led to Malpu's goal. Even though they didn't cut the clip like that, that they put on social, but that's what happened. Um, but it's like, and I mean, we've both said this. I think I honestly started saying this like whenever Cujo started getting benched. By Coom, I was like, why? Not only is she a baller, and also this is like a fun thing, and I don't know if Meg Linhan is listening to this or anyone else I was in the press box, but <laughs> someone booted the ball. I think it might have been maybe, was it Cassie Miller? One Some player like booted the ball to the sideline, and Kuja was warming up and had the nicest touch, and so anytime I see a nice touch, instinctively, I don't even realize I'm saying it I'm like oh touch like I just naturally do that and I said that and I went bro with Cujo on the sideline like of course she had a really good (laughs) really good touch but that's beside the point like as soon as Cujo started getting benched I was like there's to me there's no reason why she should be getting benched but also to me Gotham's best midfield for playing the style that at the time Coombe was wanting to play the best players who can do that is your midfield trio of Lee Long and Cujo I'll probably say that until the Chickens come home to roost.
0: But <laughs> I'll say it even when the chickens are roosting. How about that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just I, I don't understand that. I've never understood that from Gotham's midfield. And I especially don't understand it going up against a team like the Red Stars. Like, your fullbacks were not going to be able to be as engaged as they normally are because they are going to have to keep an eye. Like you said, not, everybody's going to have to keep an eye on Watt and Pew because those are the two that can really hurt you um when they go forward and when they're able to turn you over in midfield because they are very good at doing that as well but you can pick through their midfield with good movement good spacing players who can get by players 1v1 and that's just never been Longers or Boney's games Neither. and I don't understand or even why Carly <laughs> yeah well yeah definitely so I just I just don't understand why that wasn't that wasn't the option like especially when you need a goal you really need to make sure that you have players in there that are versatile enough to find passing angles and move around and find the spaces, but also be able to take players one-on-one because when that happens, you completely change, um, you completely kind of disrupt what they want to do in the midfield because somebody has a job, they didn't do that job, and now player's running free with the ball with your back line. And now everybody has to react to that. That's, what, that's how you create confusion in the defense. That's how you get a defense on their back heels. And they just never were able to create a scenario like that because of, like Courtney said, the, the game plan they had to pull the outside backs out of position. That's never going to happen against a, a Chicago team that really is just going to say, go ahead, have the ball. Just sit in front of us. As long as you stay in front of us, you can have the ball because, what, Gotham had, what, 59% possession and really only ended up generating out of that two shots on target total. So like,
1: um, so I actually have a worse stat for you than this. Let's do it. It is, uh, literally, so painful. When I saw this, I was like, literally, why this pains me? I'm in pain. Um, so some stats from Fop Mob, I don't know if that's how you say it. It's fine. Um, so for accurate passes, Chicago had 183. Gotham had 349. But for passes in their own half, Chicago had 95, Gotham had 199. Ooh, good Lord. (laughs) And then when you, like, I, I mean, I mean, that's like Rory Dame's game plan, right? Is to make Allie Long pass backwards, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) she will do over and over. But with that midfield trio, and it's like, and to kind of go back to my other point of like, fine, right? You want to have Zerboni, you want to have Long in the midfield, which... Like if you want to have two sixes, I'm like especially against a Chicago side that can be really, really good on the counter, perfectly fine, right? That means you need to have reinforcements somewhere else. Like, quite simply, you need a Cujo, or you need a Lee, or if you want to swap out Carly, put Efi in that central position, and then instead of subbing Paige Monahan for Naho on like the what the left side of that midfield, put her on left wing. I've seen so many goals of even like for example Midge isn't even on the field of Paige Monahan and Efi combining because quite simply a front three of Efi, Paige and Midge they're three of the quickest players in this league <laughs> they are all so unreasonably cl- quick and also have so much history playing with each other and like just automatically knowing rotations and things like that of when the three of them want to rotate and when they them play centrally and the other two play out wide like there are so many options and if you wanted to hit your game plan and that's like what it goes back to me but like goes back to for me if you want to make your game plan we want to stretch like we want to pull their outside backs out of position you need players who are going to do that and that that team that was fielded in that first half and for the majority of that second half quite simply will not do it
0: yeah and you know we, we've i've I could honestly talk about Gotham because honestly I like they've had a good season and and I love I've loved watching Midge and Efe. I think they both had really outstanding seasons. I think they both should be on the shortlist for MVP. I know Midge was but Efe wasn't but for me I'm shout about she's, that later. Absolutely on my shortlist for MVP. So I love this Gotham team. I just think they were let down by a lot of decisions and their midfield not being great, but I well the midfield that they chose not being great. Um, Because they have a good midfield in there. They just, for some reason, decided not to play it. Um, But I wanted to shout out Mal Pugh and that goal. Because you talk about touches. That finish was excellent. It's a great finish. Excellent. That is really hard to do first time. And that was just an extra, like her body shape, the way she contorted her body to make sure she was able to get that shot far enough over to the far side netting. Uh, close enough to the far side netting to be able to beat Sheridan. And that was such a good, good touch. And that was such a clever play. Like she's she another one who's very, very like short list for MVP, like just been incredible mm-hmm. this season. Like they da, got um, the Red Stars attack has not really synced, but anything that they've done, it seems like all of it has kind of been the result of Mal Pugh going ham. And so she has been really good and that touch was excellent she absolutely deserved that goal uh and deserved deserved um especially deserved to finish like that it was it was awesome so i definitely want to make sure i shout out the red stars because they even though you know the talk is that you know and the and the read of the of what happened in that match is that they basically did what they do you know roy dames admitted it like yeah that wasn't great soccer yeah that wasn't really fun that wasn't really you know a showcase of what both these teams can be at their peak but they won and that was the only thing that they had to do but shout out to the players for being able to execute it even though if i even if i think that Gotham made it unreasonably easy for them
1: yeah and i mean i'm our resident gotham reporter so of course i'm going to talk about gotham all day cuz that's what i watch in and out um but know that as, it's actually kind of twisted that <laughs> the two players that gotham traded away in the beginning of the season or sorry before the season started that decision literally came back oh, by them because brutal. it was Sarah Waldmo <laughs> picking Rural. the pocket yeah. of McCall's or Boney. And, like, I'm not even going to talk about that pass <laughs> because McCall isn't a professional and shouldn't get her pocket pick like that. But maybe on another day we'll talk about not necessarily the greatest distribution from the past two games. But I digress. Um, but, yeah, her picking McCall... Like, I didn't tweet it because I was like, Courtney, don't tweet this. But as soon as I saw, like... I think two, I'm going to say 20 seconds beforehand. Chicago also had a really good shot on goal or like an opportunity to score. I don't know if like Sheridan actually made a a save or not. And so in the process I was tweeting about that and then I saw Zerboni get her pocket picked and I was like, oh, they're going to score. Like it's just kind of one of those moments where like you feel it happening, like you see it and then all of a sudden the world turns to slow-mo and you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen and it's just taking as long as it physically can to for it to happen. Um, But yeah, that was a wild goal. Like, and I mean that in the best way, like it was, it is such a beautiful goal to look at. And also like that is a, to me, that is like such a pure, like forwards goal, not like a striker's goal, but like a forwards goal of kind of cutting in and just curling that ball, hitting that side netting. It is absolutely beautiful. I also do want to give a shout out though, per usual, Sarah Gordon. Yep. Yep literally did you see that time where she just kind of made a run into a midfield into the yeah. midfield? That's she like my most going. favorite thing. <laughs> I back in the day I used to play center back. Used to love going on, just going for a run, but I love when professional to do that. I'm like, go keep going, get up top, connect with your forwards, like literally go score the goal. Like that is <laughs> one of my most favorite things to watch. It's just a center back being like, well, no one's pressing me. I have time and space. Like, let me go get around three players um also if you haven't read Claire Watkins' article for uh Just Women Sports about Sarah Gordon like she interviewed her and Sarah basically like whenever she does it she's like oh maybe I'll do this and I was like oh I got around another player wow I got no- got around like another player like it's a delight um, uh, I also- loved
0: I loved reading that because and I'm so glad that she was so open like Sarah Sarah's hilarious but I was so so glad that she said that and and explained it in that way because you can almost see it. Like, like if I were to narrate what's going on in her mind during that, it would have been <laughs> the exact same thing. Because you can just see her out there like, oh, oh shit. Oh, okay. I can keep going. Like, you can just see that happening. And it's so cool whenever she does it.
1: Yeah. It truly is an absolute delight um, to, like, watch. And, I mean, now also, I'd, I mean, it'd be great if the Red Stars... Like went all the way. I just want Sarah Gordon supremacy. <laughs> well, obviously you disagree, but I just want Sarah Gordon supremacy literally all the time because
0: yeah.
1: her se- the season that she's had so far and it kills me that she's not nominated for MVP as well because yeah. she deserves it. Like so deeply deserves it. And it's like, I want to, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point of this podcast is to like shower black player in flowers but like she just deserves it and there were so many times where like she was just quite simply on top of it and just like really being so solid in the back line and just to me it's kind of the reason why that back line can have for example players come in and out with injury and stuff like that and she's just the glue that keeps them together
0: Definitely. And I mean, uh, you look at how the season started, you know, she was playing outside back and then they kind of swapped with what she swapped with Casey Kruger, and started playing central defense. And that was really w- the thing that really made, you know, the red stars have a very, a much more solid defense. You know, they had that really rough game against Portland early on where they lost five nothing. Um, but then they had that switch and it's really just been Sarah playing as a center back, making sure that nothing was able to leak through the back line. shutting everything down you know if somebody does happen to get them in transition you're not going to be able to outrun her (laughs) she's going to get you i think the only player that the only time she really ended up getting getting got was once i believe and i'm and i only remember it yeah it it was trinity it was trinity just making a great run and it was a great ball in behind it was just difficult actually that was um i think trinity um surprised her and actually took the ball but yeah it it was a it was one of those passes where she it was rough to for a center back under pressure to be able to control. But yeah, I mean, to go back to your point about, you know, uh, celebrating black players and all that, the whole reason why this podcast exists is not just to celebrate them, but to say they have not been celebrated and historically aren't celebrated or recognized yes. to the level and degree that they should. So some people will look at this yes. and be like, oh, you just like her because she's black. Nah, the problem is <laughs> we started this whole podcast because they don't, black players do not get the recognition they deserve. And so that is the basis behind us always talking about them, shouting them out, and being frustrated when they obviously, like we just said, don't receive the Uh, recognition that they should and Sarah Gordon should absolutely be in line for MVP because that she has been so critical to that uh, Red Stars team particularly the way they play and what they do
1: yeah truly 100% Um, but I think we've talked enough about Gotham Chicago but Andre you were there in I don't want to call it nonsense because it wasn't but like just (laughs) crazy that was the spirit courage game Take us through. Just take us through it.
0: Oh my god that that I'm like I don't know if I even have the words still. Like I just went on a I I just went on a like posting videos and gifs kind of like like I've been doing it all day just because there was so much in that match. Like I'll come across a moment and I'm like oh yeah that happened too. There's still some things that I had that I captured that I haven't even posted because I'm like all right you got to chill. <laughs> You're gonna end up reposting the whole match. But like it's it was just so. Bonkers, both of those teams were just going at each other, like Dabina is terrifying. I think she hit the bar and the post like she she was just in some crazy form uh like lynn was was just pressuring pressuring players, and she had a really good chance um it was a first time chance that was really kind of a hard thing to do, but it was after a corner and she was unmarked, which was a very strange decision uh, <laughs> but she ended up skying it over just the bar. Little. Oh my god, the the goalkeepers like Aubrey Bledsoe and Casey Murphy. Oh, that like they just were outrageous. That one shot, that one save that that Bledsoe made against uh rod that's like yeah. I I just I don't even like that I when was... I saw that that was that how it was happening, I was like, "Ah, now the spirit like in my brain I'm thinking, "Okay, well, is the spirit going to have to change? How is the match going to have to change for the spirit to be able to grab an equalizer?" And none of that mattered cuz Bledsoe just flung her body to the ball and got one hand on it and palmed it away like i the match was bonkers there were nutmegs trinity got a nutmeg <laughs> um there was a there was a sequence where they were dueling nutmegs it was hilarious because i think uh i think <laughs> kelly o'hara got nutmegged and then and then the spirit got mad and nutmegged i think it was speck it was hilarious because it all happened within like five seconds <laughs> it's just that match was absolutely bonkers it was such a fun match and the only The only bad part about that match is that for some strange reason it was only on Paramount Plus. That match should have been on some sort of TV network because that was a showcase. Like, like I know, like in 90 minutes it ended nil-nil. That's the best nil-nil match I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've been watching soccer for a long time now. Like that match was bonkers. Everything that happened in that match was just wild. Sullivan had a great match. O'Sullivan had a great match. J-Mac had a really good match. There were some really dangerous moments that she was able to create as well. Thought she was going to maybe score a couple times, you know, but again, Bledsoe was amazing. Some of the last-ditch defending was amazing. Like, uh, I just, <laughs> I'm still, like, I still can't believe I watched that. Like, that was just such an incredible match. And last thing I'll say before I before I stop ranting and I catch my breath is... <laughs> The the thing that was wild, the, the well, not the thing, because there were multiple things, but one of the craziest things about that match was that it stayed like that for all 120 minutes. There was never a period in that match where it was just like chill for like two or three minutes. Like players were going at it for that entire time. It was, that was just so much fun and just wild.
1: Yeah. So I came in, so since like, because the NWSL decided to only what separate these games by an hour, something like that. Um, so whenever the Gotham game was ending, I was doing post game stuff. So I was coming in and out, like I like after um, post game press ended. Like I, I literally opened up the game, and I'm not joking. The first thing I saw was that Aubrey Bledsoe save, or I, the first thing I saw was like Dabinia's run, where then she slotted in a rod and then Bledsoe made that save and so i immediately went there and gasped and i was like that was such a like first of all that was such a wild sequence but also that save was absolutely gorgeous like oh my gosh like that to me is one of the big definitions of like (laughs) kind of putting your team on your back of right and also the crazy thing about that is that you would expect the way she was going because i if i'm remembering correctly like she was Almost or like seemed like semi leaning in the other direction because, mm-hmm. um, and then when you know, A Rod decided to go far post and she just flung herself and still got a big palm to that ball like it wasn't yeah. even like a fingertip, like fingertip, we're gonna make it hit the post and come out like strong hand yeah. that was wild. Um, rewatching that game today when I was flying back was like that high tempo, like high tempo, high octane football is really really fun to watch as a neutral like even if goals aren't being scored like the match is going to be entertaining um i do want to give a special shout out to dabinia though because oh, yes
0: she was terrifying
1: was balling dabinia was balling so hard and i know casey murphy also had an absolutely spectacular performance yes but if like if i rated uh casey murphy like a 10 out of 10 dabinia was literally like a 9.7 out of 10
0: yeah
1: i have not and part of it is because you know not deeply paying attention to every single courage game i'm not gonna lie it's not like i'm deeply studying them but you could tell from the jump that dabinia was like i'm either going to score a goal um feed someone in to score a goal like we are going to score a goal today and Mm -hmm. dabinia was like i'm doing literally everything i can to do it like Some of the runs she had, I remember she, at the very, very end of, I think it might have been at the very end of regulation or maybe at the very end of the first period of stoppage time, she slid in a really, really nice ball for Jess McDonald, but uh, Bledsoe was, like, quick off her line to kick it out. Her, like, early early on in the match, when I remember Lynn Williams fed the ball out to, it might have been, I think it was Merritt Mathias, and she crossed the ball in. And you're like, oh, no one's getting there. And then all of a sudden, Dabinia came out of nowhere and forced a huge save, save out of blood. So I was like, Dabinia is balling for her life, <laughs> for her life. And she, like, she was just quite simply playing so well. And also when she hit the post, yeah. I mean, I already know, I already knew what happened, but a part of me died inside. It did. <laughs> I was. Because of the way she was playing, I was like, she deserves this. She deeply deserves this. And it just hit in that post. Come right off, I was like, that is pain. That is pain.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, the, the match was just, I mean, 54 shots in total, 21 shots on target uh, total across both teams. I mean, at 21 saves. Uh, Murphy had 13. Bledsoe had eight. I mean, that is just, it's just outrageous. It was just an outrageous match. (laughs) Like all of it was just bonkers. Like I, I just rewatching it. There are so many, there's so many moments where like, how did this, how did they not score there? How did this match not end like three to four or something like that? Like the match was just so incredible. And the only reason is just the goalkeepers were absolutely unreal. I mean, you, you look at, you know, eventually, obviously the spirit did get the goal, but even that, how they orchestrated it, you know, they had to, they talked about it after in post-game, you know, we were talking to Hatch about the goal and asking, you know, how did that, how was she able to be so aware in that moment? You know, as a, you know, she's, she has a lot, she's grown her capacity as a striker, but she's always kind of been a really good, you know, right place, right time kind of player. Problem is the spirit with their possession game never really gave her too many chances. So sometimes her goal scoring would be inconsistent. This year that's changed. But what they ended up doing is they kept saying – and this happened especially after they had a, some – the Spirit played some really lovely um, kind of one-touch football at the top of the box in order to work a shot from Trinity Rodman. I think uh, Tara McKeown was was involved in that as well. And there was just some really nice movement they had to kind of slide the ball around and keep um, the Courage's defenders from being able to block the shot. And as soon as Trinity hit that ball, I was like, there it is. There's the opener and then Murphy just flies out of nowhere and just smack this is the other thing about the saves the saves weren't just like like Courtney was saying like they weren't just like fingertip saves they're like get the ball out of here <laughs> like mm-hmm. like full on pushing the ball full palm strong fingers everything getting the ball out of there and i was like i cannot believe she got to that she reacted so quickly to get to that shot so what Hatch and all the the strikers and every and the midfielders were saying is get the ball low, keep the ball on the ground, hit it hard, hit it on the ground, and maybe we'll get a rebound opportunity. And that's exactly what happened. So as soon as Mm -hmm. as soon as Robin got that ball, Hatch was saying, I knew that she was going to shoot low. And if uh, Murphy spilled it, she was going to spill it basically in this area where I already am. And so that's how she was able to react to it. But it was just, to me, just this was I love about this game. It's just this just a little nuance and problem solving, right? Like, how are you going to get by a keeper like this? Well, you can either try to work the ball to where you basically have a tap in across the line and the keeper can't do anything about it. You kind of pull the defense apart, which was very hard to do, or you try to figure something out. And and that was what they figured out. You know, shoot, hit the ball really hard, really low. Hopefully she spills a shot and we can get the goal. And that's what happened. Like, just... I. out just outrageous just an outrageous game
1: and i th- i think one thing that really stood out to me and i can't lie my heart broke for Casey murphy when that goal went in just by like by and it, i mean Same. you talk about it and no. how like the strikers came together and like shoot low shoot hard and hopefully she'll like spill it but also like when you're having <laughs> yeah. such a good game like you don't like you want the goal that's going to go in to be like a like just a screamer upper 90 nothing she can do about it because then it's like you know unfortunately that like clouds a little bit of the performance that she had which to me she was truly like her and Bledsoe were just lights out the entire time like it was almost at one point like they were just trying to one-up each other they're like oh you're having a really good game watch me make this safe um but (laughs) also like the the just the overall can and kind of in a complete 180 to what we saw with gotham and chicago of crunchy soccer that's not super interesting sometimes and you have like one moment of brilliance it was like the actual quality of this game and the way each player was playing like to me none of these players had a bad performance like they were all i mean first on yeah. kelly O'Hare nutmeg someone i was like oh lord something <laughs> is about to happen this game something is going to happen but to me both teams were playing at such a high level and were playing so well that it kind of sucks that it was just a one nil win when it truly deserved to be and i mean this with the greatest amount of like love and adoration (laughs) but like mls first round playoffs this game is going to end 5-4 yeah
0: yeah but it felt like
1: that but completely opposite the mls where it's normally them games are really high because of calamitous defending like yes. and it was just terrible like the keeping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like this game deserved to be a really high scoring game because each like each player and each team really really deserved it um but also to me the like just watching trinity rodman just every single time ah, like just... it is i mean i'm happy she came to the M, uh the nwsl I would have loved to watch her in college just for a little bit (laughs) of like her just constantly, like truly embarrassing people like every single time, but also doing some absolutely outrageous things in the college game. But just, I mean, the season she's been having the, like the amount of insane saves that she made Casey Murphy do. Yeah. Like she also just had a lights out performance.
0: Yeah. And I also want to shout out Andy Sullivan as well. Like, I posted about it on Twitter as well. But I mean, she played 120 minutes against the North Carolina Courage and only misplaced six passes. Three of those were in extra time, which means she only had three during normal time. She had one in the second half that was misplaced. Just one. Like, it was just an outrageous performance in it and the thing that i loved about it the most was that she was not just playing like you talked about Allie long and how you know uh the red stars were coming like Allie long also had really good passing numbers if you just look at the raw numbers you know you just see that i think she only misplaced maybe like what three or four passes but you see that that's but this wasn't that type of performance where she was just moving the ball side to side You can see her breaking lines. You can see her playing as a six, and then sometimes she's playing as an eight, and she's further forward. In fact, for the Spirit's goal, she's the one who fed in, uh, and I tweeted about this as well, but she's the one who fed in Trinity Rodman, and what she ended up doing was making sure that she got the ball from Kelly O'Hara, and she was basically in a number 10 position, and she was aware enough, even as a typical number six, but this is why, a little brief detour here, This is why I think the US Women's National Team, if they do things right, can be exceptional because your number six can be way more versatile than what we're used to. And that's no knock on Julie Ertz because the way that Julie Ertz plays that position was phenomenal. And it is phenomenal when she can do it because she is just straight up wrecking ball and and she basically protects the back line. But... You have somebody like Andy Sullivan, who has really good passing range, understands tempo and being able to move the ball and keep a team moving, find the spaces, whether she moves into it or she moves the ball into it. But this time she took the ball and she noticed that if she takes a small step up, like if she just touches the ball it moves it forward a little bit and acts like she's going to go towards goal, she can completely get North Carolina's back line out of shape. And that's what she did. She touched the ball forward. Uh, Kurtz came up to challenge her. And what that forced Matthias to do, right back, who was fading over to Rodman, was she, it forced her to stop fading over to Rodman to tuck narrow and to back up. And then when she played the ball, basically that one, that one V1 was already lost because that is a bad position. You get Trinity Rodman on the ball and you have to run out to her, she's going to get by you and get a shot. Like that's just also a really bad, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just a really bad position to be in. And it was set up because Andy knew that I can take this if I take this space, but I don't go really ham in it. Like I don't really charge it. I just kind of bait them. Then that's going to open things up for Rodman on the, on the left side. And that's exactly what happened. That's how that shot got off. Like it took, uh, again, I mentioned that they were talking about shooting low. It just takes these little things to figure out how do you get by a team that's playing this well, a goalkeeper that's playing this well. And like, All credit to the courage. Like, I feel bad that somebody had to lose that game. Like, Courtney, I also feel bad that it ended the way it did with Murphy. Ended up, you know, having that uh, shot that she couldn't hang on to. That felt extra cruel given the match that she had. But, like, just... That's why I can only be, like, amazed at how good the match was. Because somebody had to lose it. And that just sucks. But that's the way it goes in the playoffs. But it was just a hell of a match.
1: Yeah. Also, still better than penalties. Without a doubt, still better 100% penalty. yes. Also, <laughs> I don't... Y'all know how I feel. I've watched so many penalties in life. I don't need to watch anymore, I promise. Um, but the last thing I, d- I do want to say, I mean, y'all know how I feel about Andy Sullivan. Also, if you want to learn more about the sixth position a few episodes ago after a U.S. Women's National Team game, we did go deep into the sixth position. Um, it's also truly one of my most favorite positions, but that's a side note. But we did go very deep in that. So if you have not listened to our episode Uh, that I'm pretty sure was two or three episodes ago Uh, we delve all into the six and why it's I mean in modern football is a really really important position but also for example why having a player like Andy Sullivan having that intelligence not just going out and being a wrecking ball which like truly no shit at all like that is still like going in and wrecking shit up it's still really really important but having that the quality to go and like either knowing for example how it super small movements can unlock defenses
0: mm-hmm. cough
1: cough jen Cujo, or <laughs> yeah. doing a thing also just like jen Cujo, of being able to quickly like beat your player on the ball and unlock defenses like
0: yeah we've or, deep into it or something that would have been really helpful for gotham turn away from a press
1: Uh, Turn away and
0: dribble away from a press. Sullivan did it a lot. That's why North Carolina was having a very hard time doing what they normally do because they couldn't generate those high turnovers because Andy would find the space, receive the ball, and be able to manipulate the ball in order to avoid the press or move forward or keep the ball moving. Cujo's great at that as well. I think Lee's great at that as well. So, yeah, like yes, you need those players that can do that kind of stuff. And uh, you had Zerboni instead. And... Not to go back to that, but that's how the goal happened. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm actually not really mad. I d- actually didn't think Zerboni was playing terribly, like compared to no. the, the other midfield. I was like, agreed. Keep keep Zerboni and like go get Allie Long. Go move, like switch switch out. I digress. Back <laughs> to the other game. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Just like swap out Alley Long, like because also McCall Zerboni like has, and this is an interesting thing to And the commentators were talking. The commentary for this game was wild. It was like (laughs) it was a lot of color commentary. And when I was first watching on the plane because I was using plane Wi-Fi, it was so blurry. I was like, "Can you tell me who's on the ball right now?" I literally cannot tell because they are all blobs on the screen. And then, like after, I was like, "Oh wait, I do know these players. I can like kind of use context clues of like who this probably is, who this probably isn't, X, Y, and Z." But but the commentary on this game. Was terrible, <laughs> like it, was, like just in terms of like what you need from commentary. Like it was just a lot. Like it honestly, kind of felt like we, I was listening to a podcast in the middle of it, and I was like, "This is not what I need from a soccer game." But I digress. Still, spirit made it on to the next round. Courage, to go home. Like truly, such a good soccer game, and it also broke my heart that like Lynn couldn't move on. Like also thinking about like the of what's happened to both of these teams this past season. It was like a you want. both of them to win and it was like a my heart breaks for them but also and like it was just reminding me i was like soccer is the best but cruelest game in the entire world like it will truly break your heart in a million pieces um but you know moving on we now for this upcoming weekend there is more nwsl playoffs we will see the red stars play the thorns and we will see the rain play the spirit i'm deeply excited for these matches like especially that rain spirit game (laughs) That, that is going, going to be so good <laughs>
0: That match is I like want to fly out to
1: Tacoma but I can't but I want to <laughs> because it's now it's the type of thing where it's like I don't want there to be a lag of what I'm seeing in person versus what I'm watching on TV I don't want to live through that anymore however
0: Same.
1: like <laughs> uh, but these matches yeah, to spoiled. me are going
0: to be I, I want to see that match live
1: I mean some will fly us out some will fly us out all I'm saying some will fly us out <laughs> I know people in Seattle. Just kidding. My friend Sean, who lives there, just moved. Um, anyway, I digress. But yes, the Thorns are playing the Red Stars. That'll technically be a one versus number four matchup. And the Rain and Spirit matchup is Rain are two and Spirit are three. in our little the standings going into the semifinals. So, Andre, actually, I'm going to throw it to you. Thorns, Red Stars, who do you think's going through?
0: This is tough. This one's tough. I think this this is the most interesting uh, kind of like battle in terms of wills, all right, on the match. Like I actually think Rain Spirit is gonna be way more tactically interesting, but I think Red Stars Thorns is really gonna be like a battle of wills in this one. Like, are the Red Stars gonna be able to shut down midfield and do what they do? Or the thorn's going to be able to kind of smother them and be able to work the ball to Sophia Smith to where they she can actually isolate and get behind uh, the the back line uh, the Red Stars back line. So I I'm interested in how this one's going to go. And I honestly I suck at predictions and I have no idea how this match is going to go. S- ugh, I ugh, I hate doing predictions. <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, Two one to the thorns. I don't even. I don't. Why would I even? Why would I I believe there's gonna be three goals? Oh, okay. All right. My bad. My bad. Let's move it.
1: No, you (laughs) did two one. No, you did two one to the thorns. I'm just gonna say thorns. No, no, no. I'm I'm, 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 I'm gonna give a score prediction. Um, Objectively, (laughs) I actually think it might be 1-0 to the Red Stars, and it will be another game that is excruciating to watch.
0: I hope not. (laughs) We, We.
1: I. Hope and pray that this game is secretly 4-3 going in either
0: direction. Yeah. But that's I would love to see the Red Stars have to like take the reins off a bit. Like let Malpew go, let Watt go, you know, let let the you know let a couple of the midfielders go as well and join them. Like I want to see that because I'm I know early in the season that didn't work out too well, but I think they're more um I think they're more solidified in the back line and with their midfield. Where they can loosen it up a little bit, and the thorns might be able to make them do do that if they get a goal or two.
1: Well, also I think they might have the game plan be kind of similar to also what they've done, <laughs> which is <laughs> having Pew and Hill just drop back into that midfield, yeah. uh, and just clog up passing lanes. Which I mean, quite simply, they're they are very good at doing that. Yeah. Um. But I also think, and is I forgot to mention this. Um. So pregame like in the stadium at sea geek they were like chicago's keys to success and they were like start hit them early or something and i was like jokes this is not going to happen but then it was like contain yeah, mitch purse yeah. i mean i said jokes this is not going to happen because i was like this if this happened early i would like love this but i just quite simply don't think it was gonna happen. yeah they were
0: never going to do that that was never like, going to be chicago's <laughs> thing i don't understand why anybody thought that <laughs>
1: Like not once, but their other key to the match, uh I mean they have three, and I don't remember what the third one is, but number two was contained Midge. And so I think their same game plan will be to contain Sophia Smith. Yeah. Um, or Morgan Weaver. And with their back line, we're also hoping I mean, I think Casey Krueger will probably slide back into this lineup. Um, I'm I mean I have no insider knowledge, but I'm a I'm I am i do not know, I'm assuming. Um, Like, that Chicago back line, quite simply, is hard to break down. And I also think Chicago, and as like I feel like most professional teams will do, they're going to think about that 5-1 loss, and then it's going to be like, let's end their season. Yeah. So I think it'll probably be actually 2-1 to the Red Stars Ooh. over the Thorns. Okay. Because I'm like, you probably can't stop maybe Sophia Smith from scoring. However... Mal Pugh will come in and say, this is my house now. And Sophia uh, uh, and Sarah Gordon will be like, get out of my house. I am the captain now for Providence Park. So (laughs) she's the new owner of Providence Park. Uh, But moving on to the next match, Rain versus Spirit. Andre, I won't put you on the spot first. But this, I mean, this matchup tactically is going to be fascinating. Also knowing, for example, that the Spirit just beat the Rain in the regular season to clinch a playoff spot but also the rain seemed kind of unstoppable at times. And to me, it's to me, it's rarely ever can you stop the rain, but like how much can you stop the rain? And for me, I think... See, this is actually a much harder matchup to me than the Thorns and Red Stars, if I'm being honest. Mostly because it's more... Maybe it's because it's more interesting to me. It's like a neutral. I think because of Pino's brand new haircut and brand new pink hair... She's going to go really hard. And also, Alana Cook will say, This is my house. You cannot come here and bully me. (laughs) Um, And I think the rain might get it. So I'm also going another 2 1 game.
0: I'm not going to do a score prediction. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm nervous about this match. Obviously, the Rain are ridiculously talented and very good and have been in really good form. Like, we, like they've looked the way we expected them to look, given, you know, all the, the talented players that they brought in. But they clearly had the wrong coach, who was also a terrible, bad person coach as well, <laughs> given the reasons why he was let go. Um, so uh, Laura Harvey's gone in there and really has this team looking excellent. So i it's tough though, because you look at it, and the spirit played both versions of the rain and beat them the only time the rain had uh, a win over the spirit was that match that had to be forfeit um because the spirit had covid issues and couldn't uh and couldn't fill the team um and ended up having to forfeit a match so every time they've taken the pitch, no matter which iteration of the rain they face this season, they've won, and that scares me, whereas most people are like that gives me confidence. Oh, <laughs> they're like that that gives me confidence for me it doesn't because that means that the rain are looking at this like like they're extra motivated and they're extra motiv- motivated to look back at those games and see exactly what changed you know what went wrong and you know that that the last match that was that was um the spirit beating them away at, at their own in their own place two nil they didn't let them score a single goal and that was very, very not like the rain. So I know, like, I'm concerned about all of these things converging, and the rain being really up for this match. Obviously, it's the playoffs, the birth, and the final is on the line. Like, I'm shook. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, the spirit having to play 120 minutes, fly across the country, all of this stuff. I am somewhat shook. But I do. Having said all that, I think it is going to be a fascinating match. Like, tactically, what both these teams do and try to do to each other, it's just going to be very enjoy- I wish they could do it on a pitch that's better, <laughs> uh, mm. that wasn't so narrow, and um, uh, a baseball field. Um, okay. so, so that's going to be uh, unfortunate because this matchup really deserves, like, big stage, soccer-specific, big pitch. Like, this really deserves, like, the full top-notch treatment, and we're not going to get that, and that's disappointing. But, yeah, I'm stalling.
1: <laughs> I can tell. I'll save you a little bit. Um, yeah, the the whole, like, I mean, I didn't realize um, that the win that the rain had over the spirit was that forfeit. Like, I kind of had forgotten about that. Um, all I know is that Laura Harvey cannot play easy on me before the match by Adele. I tried getting <laughs> the Red Stars to do that. They would not play it before the match. And I was like, let me just have an Adele moment in the chilly weather. However, yeah, this match is going to be a super fascinating tactical matchup. Um, And it's like, I don't know. It's also, I don't know if this is necessarily like the best way to kind of describe it. But it's also like, to me, the Rain spirit match feels more like a final match, like championship match, than the Thorns-Red Stars. But I also feel that way about the Spirit north carolina match as well that it also felt more like this is nwsl like this is the actual nwsl championship game
0: yeah i think i think because of the talent on the pitch and how well both teams have been playing that's true i mean i think you you see and both teams are very exciting like when the spirit are playing well you get to see a ton of really good players playing you know you get to see trinity robin who's just outrageous just just an incredible talent Talented player, I think, like the likes of which we haven't really seen all that often in in soccer and domestically. Like just a teenager who's able to do these things is out is just a wild, wild thing to see. So like, yeah, and then obviously the reign are stacked. I mean, you all the talent they have, you know, Roosevelt, you're looking at, you know, Les Maire, you got just just ballers, Marathon. I mean, you just have straight up ballers, Pinot. Um, out there. So like, and Fishlock, MVP candidate, candidate Fishlock, which is funny actually, that she, she couldn't believe that she was. And I'm like, have you, you need to watch your own games because you've been balling. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I just don't know. I don't know. I feel bad picking against the spirit, but I just feel like that's a whole lot of things to overcome. And if their spirit, if, if their season ended up ending, you know, this way, you know, at that, and you know, away at rain, I don't think that'd be terrible. Like, I think Not it'd still be quite a successful season, being incredible success, like it already has been. I mean, given what they've all that they've been through, so like I just I don't know. I just I just see it's going to be very very hard to get by rain. I think if they do it, it's going to have to be in something like a penalty shootout. Um, so I might I'm I'm leaning towards rain. Unfortunately.
1: Well, I was about to put you on the spot before transition, but you already did. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our last final segment, we are here for heated and hyped. A segment where we get hype about something and then we rant about something. Uh, Andre, I'm gonna start us off. What I'm what I'm heated about is friend of the pod, Ifyana Manu, not being on the final list for NWL MVP. I t- when I first saw the list, I tweeted out that I was a little sad because, and I was like sad for her as a player of having such a great season that one million percent deserves so much more recognition. Then it's been getting. But now I'm like even more mad about it. <laughs> because she deserves. First of all, she deserves. Quite simply, she deserves to be on the MVP candidate list. But also the reason why she deserves. And I feel like maybe a lot of people when they were voting, they didn't want to vote for two players on the same team. So they were like really kind of choosing potent- like between Efi and Midge. When it's like they should honestly both be on there. But also, and I've said this before, Gotham would not be in the playoffs. Gotham would not be where they are in the season right now without Evie. And actually, I have reasons why. Gotham ended the season in fifth place with 35 points. I'm not going to go over their win, loss, and draws. Just know that they had a whole bunch of draws. They actually had 11, which may or may not be an NWSL record. The fact checkers were still checking on that. But Evie Anamanu is the goals and assists leader. For all the players in the NWSL. She has 12. And surprisingly the number two person is Trinity Rodman. Which we actually talked about last episode. But Ify has 12. She's had 12 goals. Just kidding. She's had 8 goals and 4 assists. 8 plus 4 equals 12. 12 goal contributions. Leads the league. Right? Well I went and broke that down for y'all a little bit more. So as I mentioned before. Gotham ended the season with 35 points. Ify. As I have calculated. Has been responsible. For securing, either through a win, or getting an equalizer, or getting a match winning, either match winning or match saving, assist or equalizer, for 13 of those points. And I got the numbers for you. So she had one game winning goal, which is three points, because you know, if you win a game, you get three points. We're going by that. She's had three separate equalizers for Gotham. That has got them from getting no points. To one point. And she'd said three of those. Three times one. Let's do math kids. Three. Then she's had one match saving assist. Which means she's assisted on an equalizer. To save Gotham a point. And then in two separate games. She's had the match winning assist. The first one was that beautiful team goal. The one that I r- wax lyrical about. That team goal against Orlando in that 3-2 match. That changed I, I think. A lot of us were not expecting it to be 3-2, but she did have the assist for Midge's match, match winner. The other one, and I know people will say that Carly Lloyd's third goal was the match winner. No, it wasn't. It was Effie's assist to Midge Purse for the second goal in Gotham's 3-0 win over North Carolina. Down the stretch, when Paige Monahan was hurt, when Midge Purse was hurt, there were players at the Olympics. There was one player that consistently put Gotham on her back, and it was Ife Anamano. And it's why she deserves to be league MVP, or at least in the contention for league MVP. Gotham would not be anywhere near what where they finished the season without her, without her contributions, without her consistently, and I mean consistently hunting for a goal. When it was, oh, we, have, we are at the 88th minute, we need someone to get our equalizer. That player was Ife Anamanu. And the fact that she started the season and wasn't even a regular starter. So that's what I'm heated about. About Efie not getting the shine she deserves. But also people just almost out sometimes feeling like not actually paying attention to the whole story. Because also the combinations between Efie and Midge is that they're so much better together. And one does not succeed without the other. But also when Midge was hurt, Efie had the team on her back. So that's what I'm heated about. I know I was going to rant about She Who Must Not Be Named from Gotham, but I decided not to. I decided to rant about Efi. Andre, what's got you heated?
0: Oh, don't worry. I'll take care of that rant for you. Um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what's got me heated is just that. I'm so glad. This is perfect, Trent. We didn't even plan this. Um, I have heard so much because... When you analyze Gotham and when you talk about their downfalls and where their failings are, some things stick out. We talked a lot about the midfield and how not having Jin Cujo in there and having the redundancy between Zerboni and Long is a problem. But also a problem in that is Carly. And a lot of Carly fans like to pop up and really try to assume that because I don't like her personally that I cannot critique her. I would just like to say... I'm a black man, I've been a black man all my life, I've liked sports all my life, I have come across so many players, so many white players who are just unlikable people. And that does not mean that you can't have your personal feelings, but you can also be able to critique them as athletes yourself. It's separate from that because we do it all the time. Y'all don't understand, white people be tripping. All the time not, not just athletes, like coworkers, uh, just, just every random people you come across in public restaurants, stores, y'all just don't understand like like having somebody like Carly out there playing so it's, that is not an unf- she is not unfamiliar to us. I promise you she's not unfamiliar to us so we know how to separate it and analyze it and the problem is whenever we critique her, people like to say, "Oh well, you just wish she knelt." do you know carly kneeling ankle free near one of us like stop playing with me so like that stuff is really annoying but when we talk about her and critique her this is the problem and as we said you're not going to beat the red stars and you are never going to beat the red stars without some sort of pace that can really threaten without players running at the back line and being able to keep up and pass to each other and carly was having a problem keeping the ball at her feet, not getting the ball taken from her, things like that. So she does stand out when you're looking at critiquing, particularly the way that you have to battle up and go up against um, the Red Stars. I think this is also going to be a very interesting case study, which is why I'm so interested in watching this match, because you're going to basically see how Carly did it, and my guess is you're going to see how Christine Sinclair does it. This is what's going to be very interesting to watch, because Christine Sinclair has realized... Oh, yeah, these young kids like Morgan Weaver, Sophia Smith, even Simone Charlie, like, oh, yeah, I need to feed them as quickly as I can. Like, I can come in the box late or I can be there if they're going to cross the ball in, you know, to try to get a header. Like, I can choose my spots. But she is the leading international goal scorer of all time, men's or women's. Period. We know that. She scored five goals this season and she's cool with it. She's not demanding the ball. She's not demanding to be the central focus of the attack. She knows better than that. And, she, and her scoring has dropped off, but that's all right because she understands the phase that she's at and the team that she's on. You got Carly running around out there with EFI, who again, MVP candidate. Midge, again, MVP candidate. And for some reason, wants to be the focal point of the attack. And people keep talking about, like Courtney just mentioned, big game, like big goals scoring, big games. No. No. Stop it. Like Carly, yes, that has been a thing that is attached to her, but please update your software. Update your information because that has not been <laughs> the case this season at all or for years. She has right. not done that. And and she scored 4 goals this season. None of them, there was only one of them that secured any points whatsoever, and that was a goal against Louisville. That's it. That's it. So when you talk about big game, you know, player, sure, that's in her past, but that was not something that was going to save Gotham. And you look at it, look how many minutes she played on the pitch. Look how much, how they were so like reluctant to bring her off as a sub. Look how much they relied on her and look where it got them. So like, that's what I'm really heated about is that like the combination of it all, like being, being able to look at a player and critique them is important. And trust me, I can do that. And anybody black who had problems with Carly can do that. And we do do that. And the critiques are based in logic. And they're right there in front of you. All you have to do is not be a Carly stan. And the best news about this is, we ain't got to talk about it no more because we're finally free.
1: Not we're finally free. Oh my god. (laughs) I will eventually share my thoughts about this and Carly's final reign over Gotham. Forward line, let's say. But today is not that day because I ranted about something else. But it'll come one day. But... Moving on to the more positive part of our segment. Andre, I'm actually going to let you go first. What has got you hyped?
0: Champions what League returns had we had? this week. Champions League returns. So we got some really good matchups, actually. So um, you're going to get to see Juventus and Wolfsburg play. You're going to see PSG and Real Madrid play. That's going to be really interesting. I, I'm actually really and in, in, interested in that match. You got Barcelona and Hoffenheim. They're going to play. And you got Lyon and Bayern Munich. They're going to play each other. That's the big one. Like that one is going to be very, very interesting. So yeah, I'm, that's what I'm happy about. I'm happy about Women's Champions League back.
1: I wish I had something. I mean, I am happy about the Champions League. I wish I had said that because honestly, I feel like the only thing that I'm actually happy about is that it's like, first it's fall and fall foliage is beautiful. But also because it's fall, that means people are adding pumpkins into foods. Now I don't like pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is gentrify, uh, gentrified sweet potato pie. That's to whoever that. came up with that, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal you on the podcast. <laughs> However, it is gentrified sweet potato pie. But what I actually am excited about when it comes to pumpkin are two things: pumpkin muffins, which I with like roasted pepitas on top. I they just give me joy. But also pumpkin pancakes because I'm gluten free. If you did not know. I'm surprised if you did not know by now because I talk about it all the time. It's also on my Twitter bio. But pumpkin pancakes is one of the best gluten-free things that can ever be made because of not only the sweetness from the pumpkin, but also just the amount of moisture that it will add to like a pancake batter or a muffin batter or just a lot of things Some in the silliest way. I'm really excited that I can just eat a lot of pumpkin pancakes and no one will say anything because it's November. And it's fall, and also I have some really good things in the work that I cannot say on this episode.
0: Oh, teeth! Keep
1: your—I don't want to say—keep your ears peeled. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, keep an ear out because I will be having some news on next episode. Ooh, I
0: but don't even know what this news is, you. so that's exciting for me as well.
1: well. Well, teeth, sorry. And I have literally been so excited to announce this at this point for months. But I can't announce it yet. But hopefully by next episode, I can announce
0: it. And I'm very excited about it. Well, then, y'all, you know what to do. Just got to tune in next week. Got to tune in next week.
1: Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at DiasporaUnitedPod. That's Diaspora, U-T-D, P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast.
0: See you next time.